You're listening to a Catholic Bible Study Podcast. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hi, and welcome to Form Now. We are in the fifth part of a five-part series on the glorious mysteries of the Rosary. Today, we are covering the coronation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and with me is Dr. Elizabeth Klein, who is a professor at the Graduate School. Um, I just want to take a quick second to thank all of our Mission Circle members. Mission Circle is our small monthly giving society, and it enables us here at the Augusta Institute and Formed and the Graduate School to do so much. So we just thank you for your support, and please consider um, if these conversations are benefiting you to give to the Mission Circle. It greatly helps us. Um, so thanks for being on, Dr. Klein. Thanks for having me. Um, I thought a good place to start is, could you just walk us through what is the belief of, of this fifth mystery, the coronation of the Blessed Virgin Mary? Right. So the church teaches that Mary, after her assumption, is crowned as queen of heaven and earth. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting that you titled this series a Bible study on the mysteries of the rosary, yes. since the coronation of the Virgin isn't explicitly right. mentioned in scripture. So I thought that maybe we would start with talking about the scriptural basis of the doctrine of the yes. kingship of Mary. Yes, I think that is a good idea. And as we mentioned in the last one when we covered the assumption that, um, yes, these last two mysteries in a particular way are difficult to find explicitly. And so we rely, as so much of the Catholic tradition has, on uh, typology, <laughs> just the belief that um, there's, there's Old Testament uh, prefigurements that can help bring us to a deeper understanding of what is going on. Um, right. And I think with this mystery, too, I think it's just important to see how conceptually it comes from scripture, mm -hmm. even if sort of the event, uh, if it can be called an event, event right. isn't, isn't explicitly there. And so one thing that we really do draw some scripture, I think it's helpful to mention with regards to this mystery is why would Mary be the queen in the first place? Yeah. Because we tend to think of the queen as the wife of the king. So right. if Jesus is the king and Mary it, is Jesus' yeah. mother, then why, yeah, what's, going on what's going on with her being the queen? So uh, something that a number of biblical scholars have talked about is that in sort of the ancient Near Eastern worldview and the Old Testament, uh, the mother of the king is typically understood to be the queen, the queen mother. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons for this is, of course, that ancient kings practice polygamy. So yeah. if there's too many queens, lots of queens, lots of queens too many queens, if the wife is <laughs> divided kingdom, if the wife yes. is the queen, and and actually the the mother of the new king would be especially important because often she would have a role in making that person become the king. Mm. And so she had a kind of place in the court and was considered a powerful mm. figure and yeah. intercessor uh, in that in that sort of ancient um, Near Eastern worldview. And so one place you can find that in the Old Testament that might be helpful is in uh, 1 Kings chapter 2. Mm -hmm. um, and this has to do with uh, Bathsheba. So mm -hmm. people who know the story of David will know that Bathsheba was one of David's wives and that her mm -hmm. son Solomon became the king. Yep. And so she really isn't afforded a sort of special authority role until Solomon becomes the king, mm -hmm. and then she as mother of the king has this kind of special role. So you can find, so the passage I'm looking at is uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 19. So mm -hmm. in this passage, Bathsheba has been asked to intercede on behalf of one of David's other sons. Yes. So it says, so Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak on him, uh, speak to him on behalf of uh, Adinojah. When the king rose to meet her and bowed down to her, then he sat on his throne and had a seat brought for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. Then she said, I have one small request to make of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, make your request, my mother, for I will not refuse you. So this is just one example of that sort of queenship role of the mother. And I, I think that um, it's almost, it, 
it's important not to kind of understate what is happening here, that mm. the the change with Bathsheba from when David was king to when Solomon is king mm-hmm. is it's drastic. Mm-hmm. Something, her role in the kingdom has has very much shifted and that this is the principal place where we come to understand the Gebirah, the idea of of the queen mother, which mm-hmm. is going to inform us as Catholics of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and also inform us as to why the tradition would arise. So sometimes, you know, when you're talking to non-Catholics about Mary, there's this idea that the tradition sort of came up out of nowhere, right. all this Mary and stuff. You so just sort invented of, this. It's just yeah. sort of mythological yeah. stuff that accrued over a long period of time. But actually, to a Jewish reader of the New Testament, right. it would have been obvious to them that if Jesus is the king, then Mary has this special queenship role. And this is really evident in the visitation in, Lu- yeah. in Luke's gospel, where um, right, Elizabeth greets Mary as the mother of my Lord, yes. which would have been recognized as a title of the mother of the queen. Yeah. This is kind of this royal uh, greeting. And I'm also thinking about the, the central content of Jesus' preaching is the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. the kingdom of God. Uh, and that, that that term that he's using wouldn't have just come out of a vacuum and meant something entirely new, that it was right. you know largely based on the Davidic kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that then it's good for us to look at the Davidic kingdom and see what the roles were and how things were moving mm-hmm. and what was going on. And that 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 serves as this this prefigurement of what is going to become the kingdom of heaven. It's obviously going to be transformed and it's going to be changed. Mm-hmm. But that like the central content of Jesus' preaching was about a kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that for a Jew, there was the Davidic kingdom. That right. that that forms that entire concept for them. And right. then there we see the queen mother. And it's really interesting. It's, this is a perfect segue to what I was hoping to talk about next, which is that as we had this fulfillment of the Davidic kingdom, and yet in a way that wasn't expected, and mm-hmm. in a way that exceeds the expectations. And so likewise, the kingship of Jesus and mm-hmm. so the queenship of Mary doesn't necessarily look the way you would expect. And right. so, yeah, we can recognize from the the scriptures, okay, why is Mary the queen instead of historical basis? But then yeah. we'd want to ask, like, but what does that mean? Yeah, why does it matter? I mean, if yeah. you're contemplating the rosary, yeah. you don't want to be like, yep, she's, yeah, a, right. she's like, the queen. <laughs> what what, what uh, should yeah. I be doing right so, now? So, about, yeah, yeah, so what does it mean? And so we get a hint of that in the scriptures from the book of Revelation, yeah. which is, a you know, uh, read on Marian feast days, often re- the opening of Revelation 12, yep. uh, the woman and the dragon. Mm-hmm. So there you have uh, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman cloaked with the sun and the moon under her feet and her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. So this obviously Catholics associate with Mary, but also at the same time with the church. Right. And this is really perfect for how we understand Mary and her queenship. So she has the crown of 12 stars yeah. representing the 12 tribes of Israel yeah. and the 12 apostles. Yep. And so this really is a wonderful image for how Catholics see Mary. She's both the actual historical mother of the Savior while also being a type of the church. And yeah. this is exactly what you have going on in Revelation. It's both an actual woman who's giving birth to the Savior, but at the same time is clearly associated with the church, with the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles of the church. So in a very sort of straightforward way, you know, if, if the church is the body of Christ and Mary is the mother of the body of Christ, yeah. then she's the mother of the church, the queen of the church. And then this is even made explicit if you jump down in, in chapter 12 of Revelation there a little bit further to verse 17. So this is after the great battle has taken place. And it says, then the dragon became furious with the woman who was crowned with 12 stars and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, mm-hmm. on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Right. And so there we see 
that it, it's not Mary's role is not just limited to uh, Christ the head, but mm-hmm. also to the members, to the mm-hmm. body, and that it is, those who hold to the testimony of Jesus, who keep the commandments, they're her offspring. Mm-hmm. And then so for us today, this obviously has significant ramifications. Right. And so for me, as especially as a convert, I remember first seeing the images of the coronation of the Virgin, and it's like the Trinity, and they're putting a crown on her head, and it's like, it really weirded me out. Like, what is she, the fourth <laughs> yeah. person of the Trinity? Yeah. Or like... Why is she so important yeah. and what, what could this possibly mean? <laughs> yeah. But but you bringing up the fact that it's not just that she's the mother of Jesus, but the mother of the church. And so it's she receives the crown yeah. as, the, as the first member of the church mm. and really as the down payment for all of us. Right. And so that initial re- reaction of, is she the fourth person of the Trinity? Of course, she's not. But she's truly welcomed into the life of the Trinity. Yeah. And so are we all. Right. And that the beautiful, the beauty of the rosary is that really when you're when you're praying the rosary, you're really taking on a sort of Marian mm. mind and understanding that these mysteries are about Mary, but also about you right. as her offspring, as as a member of the body of Christ, that that crown is part of your inheritance, yeah. and your royal priesthood, what you also will will get. Um but the reason why it's important that we specifically meditate on her coronation now mm-hmm. is that we understand not only is this a future hope, mm-hmm. but it's a reality that's true now, yeah. that she's already received she's the there. crown, that yeah. Christ has already won the victory. And so the, this part of the this beautiful Marian aspect of the church is helping us to understand that Christ as our Redeemer truly has redeemed the human race. And we know that it's true because yeah. of Mary, mm-hmm. because Mary has already received the fruits of that redemption yeah. as being free from, from sin from the moment of her conception, and that she's already run the race yeah. and gotten the reward. Yeah. And so we see in her what what is truly possible for, what for humanity, we all are hoping what, what for. we're all hoping for and what we're yeah. going to obtain. Um, and I think it's worthwhile noting, too, because I grew up in America. I know you're Canadian, but um, I never had a king or a queen. And so... Uh, I think that there's a kind of negative sense about when you even hear of, of Christ's kingship, and it's important to call ourselves back to it's not a tyrannical kingship, but it's one of love and justice and peace. And uh, the same thing of Mary, that it's not like she's up there and she's like ruling over our lives, but that her queenship is exercised through kind of a pouring out of herself, just mm-hmm. as, as was true for Christ. And I think that one of the most beautiful things that we can see, where we can see that is in connection back again with First Kings, where we see Bathsheba interceding. Mm-hmm. And so how does Mary exercise her queenship? But she is she's interceding for her children. Mm-hmm. That's us. And also, I mean, as I was mentioned briefly, that her queenship is tied to Jesus's kingship. Because just as you're saying, we expect mm-hmm. what power looks like in the world yeah. is I tell people what to do. I can control everything. But yeah. what Jesus's kingship looked like was the crown of thorns. Mm. Right? Yeah. Jesus's kingship is one that's entertained from the cross. Yeah. Right? Augustine likes to call the cross um, his his throne. Or his is like a judgment seat. It's just, yeah. Uh, and so it really is helping us understand what true kingship and true power actually looks like. It's exercised in complete self-emptying and love. And we know, I mean, we know love is more powerful than yeah. tyranny. I mean, we, but yeah. we don't act like that. No. You know, and, yeah. and so Jesus shows us that that's actually more powerful. That's actually what causes conversion. That's actually uh, what is the means of our salvation. And so likewise, Mary's queenship shows us that Humility actually is mm. the crowning of humanity. Just think about the magnificat, you know, yeah. Thing, you know, being lowly, being yeah. God's servant, saying yes to God's will, that's actually that's what it, that's yeah. actually the, the path of power. That's the, actually the royalty that we all have. And and we don't think about that. We think of it as being 
I get just, what I want. Just, I can yeah. tell people what to do. No, it's so important. And then as you're bringing up Augustine talking about um, Christ being on the cross, that's his throne. And then you just think of Our Lady of Sorrows at the foot of the cross. And it's mm-hmm. that that's a really great image of what, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a willingness to suffer with others. It's a willingness to stand by Christ when it's difficult. It's a, it's a willingness to stand with him when, when no one else will. Um, and it's like that, that, that worldly shame in a way that being brought low, that humility is what leads to the glorification of Christ. And it's also what leads to Mary being glorified, mm-hmm. not, not so to speak by her own merit, but by the grace of God. Um, is she elevated? And that that too is a challenging path for us to walk. Yeah, that uh, reminds me.